Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Daniel Murphy and joining me today on this frosty Easter Monday is Mr Simon Bukowski. Si, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you, Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, me. All good, all good in the hood. No, no whiff of a hangover in this in this house whatsoever. No, no, sir. And also joining me today is Mr Stu Brennan. Stu, how's the? Yeah, fine. I've got a chocolate hangover. I'm not supposed <laughs> to eat it these days, but uh, I've... Um... I've got a bit of one, to be honest. That's as good as that's as, it's as racy as my life gets these days, I'm afraid. C- Cadbury's a hope, the absolute king of Easter eggs. Now green and blacks, mate. Green and blacks. Wow. Well, I have no <laughs> idea what that is. But lads, let's act like the Easter bunny and hop on all oh, I, I've I've messed it up. I messed my pun up. How embarrassing. Let's just get to the game. <laughs> Leicester nil, City two. Sai, you were there. Let's get to football because right. I've just made an absolute fool of myself. <laughs> <laughs> not for so the first the, time uh, the best way no. to go then <laughs> not the last I should suspect no, no but a good way to get out of it yeah it was another very very good performance from City who were just kind of specialising in just being better than other teams I think is, uh, is the best way to put it you know half time at nil nil, it was one of those well City have bossed the game but they've not had the domination on the on the score sheet to to prove that, you know, will Leicester make them pay? They obviously, Bardi scored, but he was offside just before the break and then they had a decent chance after the break. And, you know, was it going to be another way where Leicester just kind of cut and run, essentially? But but no, City stood, stood firm, got the goals like they did at Everton, like they did against Fulham. And is now, you know, 15 away wins in a row in all comps, which is just incredible as this you know, amazing team keeps rolling on. Stu, it was an impressive performance, I thought, because they're against a team who's caused them issues in the past, most notably 5-2 defeat early in the season. Again, Leicester kind of looked dangerous on the counter, it's fits and starts, but they kind of contained them a lot better this time. And is it kind of good to put them in good stead ahead of Tuesday after coming in from the international break, a good solid performance, a, a comfortable win against the side who, as we say, have caused them issues in the yeah, in the recent past? Yeah, it's funny these days. I mean, I was looking at the... Uh, Simon did our, our player ratings this week and I was looking at player ratings in, in a couple of the, the Sunday papers and I was thinking, these are quite low because I thought City were excellent. I thought they were really, Too really low. good. But then, yeah, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but but I get it because they just... the way What they're doing is not like spectacular and exciting as, as it has been with Pep in, in recent years and with his teams in recent years. It's just complete control. And that, you know, it takes some doing to do that. It's it's not as not as fun as it has been. It's not as swashbuckling, you know, and you're not sort of conceding and scoring. They're just controlling teams, dominating teams, and then grinding and then taking the chances when they come. And it, it it's in a lot of ways, it's harder. It's harder to do that than than it is the way they won the titles, which was a lot a lot more attacking and you know and really pounding away at teams and leave themselves open at the back, um, which, which was exposed last season. So I kind of think, yeah, they, they're playing extremely well. But I do understand why players aren't getting eight. You know, players are getting like sevens and eights rather than eights and nines because it, it's it's just it's just. I understand why some people think it's boring if you're not a City fan and you're watching that as a neutral. You, I know a lot of you know I know a lot of United fans who were saying, oh, I'll be watching that Leicester City. That'll be a great game, and they'll have been switching off halfway through because it was just the same as all the other City games. They just you know they just come box Leicester in. I mean, Leicester are too good for that to happen all the time. And of course, they had the chances. And the side pointed out in his match report that 
you know, if if Ruben Diaz hadn't put in a brilliant block on Telemans, Leicester go one up and it, it could be different. But that was a bit of a rarity. And I always felt City were going to win that game. I, d- I never thought, you know, before kickoff, I'd have said it was probably a 60-40 in City's favour, especially given the team that they've picked. But once it got underway, it doesn't matter who they pick and it doesn't matter how well Leicester play, City just have found the knack of containing teams, dominating them, and then and then picking them off almost at will. Well, yeah, I think that's been like a hallmark of Guardiola this season. He's like, he's kind of very um, changed his ways to what we usually see. City in his seasons in past was all about kind of the high press intensity. But in this season, that has already been kind of shortened because of COVID and with so many games. They basically played two games a week for all season. I don't know if they've had a single midweek off when the fixtures have actually been on and even the international break doesn't offer much respite because most of the squad's away and Guardiola was saying in the press conferences before that match you know no players can play every three days to this um, intensity for mentally and physical reasons so for him to continue to kind of for Guardiola to kind of change his approach to games on the fly I think it was the West Brom game wasn't it Um, or maybe even the Leicester one where he did kind of rejected that notion early in the season but he kind of on the fly I think it's really shows the first time he's actually ever done it as a manager that he can kind of rejig change and adapt his team on the fly and as we see now rebuild a new one sir yeah yeah I, I think there's still a lot of similarities to the last few years and the success that they've had and I, and I think this season has kind of shown that it is the continuation of a great team that started in sort of 2017 rather than a new team as such but they've just found this way of playing where like Stu said just every player does his job and it might not be the most exciting but it's you know closing in on perfection because everyone just does exactly what is asked of them and the team is so much better than any any individual I mean I I was amazed that Looking back at when Leicester won 5-2, they actually had about 27% possession, but they were just so good in when they did have the ball that they scored five goals and City made a lot of mistakes, whereas City didn't make mistakes and didn't give Leicester anything, basically. You know, it was a bit of talk, oh, it was a bit offside, unlucky that Vardy was offside. And it was like, well, no, he was offside because City made sure he was offside. So um, they, it, it is just remarkable how well they are keeping teams away from their goal. Well, I think they're so much more comfortable defensively now, whereas obviously the Lust company and the port injury, and for a year or so, they were just nowhere near as kind of solid at the back, Stu. But now, as we said, with Diaz, and not just Diaz, but I think everyone else, obviously Stone's been the most notable kind of improvement, but Walker, Cancelo, even Sinchenko, I think every other defender, and Laporte, again, he came in on Saturday and was you know, as solid as he ever is. I think the whole defence has really stepped up and allowed City just that, as you, as you said, that much more measure of control in games because they are more comfortable in sitting back now. They, they don't need to be going gung-ho, 100 mile per hour, always searching for goals now because they know they can have a one-goal lead, a two-goal lead, and the likelihood of it dropping is... Well, it, was, it wasn't very high in the first place, but now it's almost non-existent that City kind of concede or lose after getting into a winning position. Yeah, I mean, Diaz has had a huge impact on that. I mean, he's... But I do sometimes think it's it's a little bit overstated. You know, I, I think he's been brilliant. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's City's Player of the Year. He's for me. He's he's the Premier League's Player of the Year. Uh, so and he's had not only from what he does. I mean, you see, like I, like I say, you see it in moments in games, uh, like his block on Tielemans' shot. Just just moments like that, and that lifts the team. That lifts the team like a goal does in in a lot of ways. But his organisation as well. You hear him talking a lot. You hear him shouting a lot. 
I'm not sure that was happening after company left. You know, Laporte never seems the loudest player around there to me. He seems a little bit withdrawn. Uh, he seems like that when when you see him in a mix zone after games, he's not he's not as ebullient. He's not as outgoing as some of the players. John Stones. I remember Vincent Company talking about. Uh, how John Stones perhaps need to improve that side of his game, communicate more. Communication is a big part. I asked him about, I asked Vinny about John Stones and he volunteered that. He, he came up, he said, you know, communication is a big part of the game, indicating that perhaps John Stones isn't. And I think sometimes that comes with with age and experience. You know, companies company was, a you know, in his 30s at that point. John Stones was probably 23, 22 uh, and Laporte is still quite young. Ruben Diaz is only 23. He's the youngest one of, of the lot. But he's got that already. He's got that authority about him. And I think he's helped. But having said all that, I think that everyone's sort of saying it's Ruben Diaz who's done everything. He has. He's been, a, he's been a huge impact. But I think City are defending from the front. All 11 players are defending better this season than they have done. Now, a lot of that is down to Diaz, you know, and his organisation and his leadership and everything else. But it's also down to the fact that they've... You know, they've gritted the teeth and realised where they were going wrong, and just and just started snuffing teams right. You know, from Sterling, Foden, Jesus up front, uh, all all the way back to Edison. Despite all the dominance in the game, Si, it wasn't till late that they finally got the opening goal, and it was um the rarest of sources um for the team who got it, Benjamin Mendy. A really rare goal for him, and it seemed like a really good moment for him. He's obviously had his well-documented injury issues over the last few years, but last couple of games he started coming back into the team. Is is there still a chance that you know? I think everyone's written off him, had written him off last summer, and I, I know a lot of City fans would say he should be going this summer as well. But is there a chance of him kind of slowly getting his way back into a regular place in the team? And what? You were in the ground. How good of a moment was it for him to kind of bag that really unexpected goal? Uh, it was great. I mean. He, he finished it like a striker. He finished it like Sergio Aguero. He, he's got a long, long way to go if he wants to be regular first-choice starting left-back again because it's been so long since he, he was able to produce consistent, high-quality performances. But if he plays like he did uh, on Saturday against Leicester, he's got every chance. You know, that game should mean that he gets more games in the next few weeks because... Um, he played really well. I can't see... I think it's very unlikely that he'd leave this summer because I don't think that um, another club would be willing to pay the transfer fee and the wages that it'd take to, to move him away from City. So I think he's probably got another year at least left at City. So he just needs to take it game by game and and keep trying to turn in performances like that. Um, he, he, he's a really interesting um, player in the squad. Obviously, he's... Uh, one of the most popular players, you know, everyone loves him and loves his personality and everything that he's about. But he, he's still fighting this, all, all these serious injury players that, serious injuries that he's had, sorry. You do wonder, will he ever be the player that arrived at City, that kind of swashbuckling left back from Monaco? Or has he had to change his game because of injuries? Or has he had to change his game to fit into the way that City play? So the, the, there's these questions that kind of remain unanswered but it, as, as long as he keeps putting together the kind of performance level that he did on Saturday then uh, we might find out more about him. I think kind of most handy for him even if you know nothing else comes of it Mendy kind of getting back to a good and uh, competitive level in the team to compete the likes of Zinchenko and Cancelo Stu, it kind of means that they've don't need to target a left back in the summer. It's a position that they've oohed and about kind of recruiting there 
over the last couple of years or so. And he said they could focus all their energies on to getting a striker instead. You were here last week um, when we were talking about the shock decision of, oh, maybe not so shock. You were kind of uh, of the opinion that it might um, be his time to go. But Sergio Aguero will be leaving the club in the summer. What was your kind of reaction to the news? And then what did you think of his performance on Saturday? He, he, he kind of showed why the decision was made, I thought. He didn't really look at the races, did he? Yeah, I, I wasn't massively shocked by it, I, I must be honest. I mean, I, I think a lot of City fans were, simply because they didn't want it to happen. They were sort of in denial. You do want players like that to carry on forever. It was, you know, I felt a little bit, I'm not a City fan, but I felt a lot that way about David Silva because I've enjoyed watching him so much over the last 10 years. But when the news, you know, when he announced that he was leaving, a, your heart dies a little bit, you know, because you know you're not going to be able to watch a player of his class continues to do what he's doing. So I understand completely where the City fans are coming from. Wasn't massively surprised. Uh, I remember some months ago, I, th- I think it was when, when Aguero first came back earlier in the season after his last injury, and Pep was asked about him and he said something about him being 32 years old. Uh, and I kind of thought then, uh, you know, I can see where this is going. They're obviously thinking he's getting on a bit. He's not recovering as well from his injuries. He's lost a little bit, you know, that explosive pace that takes him, takes him beyond players, which is such a big part of his game. So, and he, since he come, I mean, he always takes a while to come back. So it wouldn't surprise me massively if he moves on, or even this season, if he gets a few more chances, if he suddenly starts playing again. But I do think that it's probably time, you know, it's probably time. Don't leave it too long. And that's why I think that, that you know, I'm, I'd be very surprised if they don't bring somebody in because it would seem odd to let him go if if they haven't got concrete plans to bring somebody else in. You know, and we're talking somebody top like Harland rather than a Danny Ings or somebody like that who would be like a stopgap. So no, not not massively surprised. But I do think uh, that he will get more chances as the season season progresses. And we saw we saw against Leicester, people were scratching their heads. Some City fans were on social media were scratching their heads about uh, about the team selection. But he picked he picked the players who were fresh. He picked he picked five of the six players who stayed in Manchester for the international break. Aguero being one of them. Now they've gone to Leicester and they've done the business. They they've won the game against the third place, the third best team in the country this season. So next, you know, they've got now got Dortmund and they can bring back the Gundogan and Foden and uh, John Stones and Sterling and these players. And then he's got Leeds next weekend. Now, Guardiola knows that he could put that same team out that beat Leicester and they got, they beat Leeds. So why not give Aguero another go? Why not give Mendy another go? You know, they've shown that they, they, they're good enough to do it. And even if they don't win the game, they've got a 14-point pushing at the top of the table. And so you kind of prioritise in the Champions League. That's what he's done. That's what he did with his selection against Leicester. So Aguero could play the league games. He could play every league game from now to the end of the season and see where it takes Mendy could play every league game between now and the end of the season and see how he goes. If he gets that run of games, he might just he might just improve, uh, you know, and get back to the level that Simon was talking about when he first came and he looked like the business. So, you know, he's it, it's, it's in a good position, Guardiola. City are in a good position as well in, in terms of being able to give give players that chance, being able to spread the games around, keep everybody happy, and then just just see where see where the league season, you know, they should wrap up the league possibly in the next two or three weeks. Um, and then it's all, all guns blazing for the, the Champions League and the, the two cup competitions. Well, you mentioned him there, Erling Haaland. It is now time for our kind of Haaland weekly section because a week's not going by now where we can't talk about him. But this time it's more focused on Guardiola's recent quotes about Haaland and the, and the search for a striker this summer or their lack of side. On Friday before the Leicester game, he kind of made headlines by saying City can't afford 
um, a striker this summer or spending big money on one at least kind of indicated that there was more chance of the, of a signing not coming in, a new striker not coming in the summer. But then today, ahead of the, the Dortmund game on Tuesday, he's kind of softened that stance a little bit, saying that you know a, a hundred million pound signing, the club could make it at some point if the need arose. The need is very much here this summer. What what do you make of Guardiola's comments over the last uh, kind of few days? He clearly rates Haaland, but is he kind of leading us on a merry chase and saying City can't afford it, or do you think there's a genuine chance City don't go and sign him, or at least don't go and attempt to sign him this summer? I, well, I think of ah, oh God, Stu. No, you're all right. Go ahead. It was your turn, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't realise uh, you were deep in thought. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, of all Guardiola's many achievements, one of his best accomplishments, I think, is sort of giving this perception that he doesn't know how to play games and he's not alert to things in press conferences. He comes into press conferences knowing messages he wants to give across. And I, I thought the message on Friday was, we will not pay what the top price that Dortmund or Mino Raiola want City to pay. If City can't can't afford Haaland this summer, then no club in the world can afford Haaland. We're talking about a club that's been preparing in this transfer window, one of the richest clubs in the world, to spend a lot of money on a striker. It, it couldn't. The circumstances could not have been any better. And, you know, the, the club CAO, after the last transfer window, you know, we asked, like, are you in a position to sign Messi next summer or someone on that level? Yeah, we've got the finances for it. So take anything that Guardiola says about not being able to sign, afford a player or not being able to spend 100 million with a pinch of salt, I would say. What do you reckon, Stu? Like I say, it's, it seems like he's just, I don't know, as Sai says, he's kind of just not wanting to stoke the fuels, I think. Um, in the embargo section of the press conference, someone asked him directly about Haaland um, on the Friday and he was not for talking about him at all. Of course, ahead of playing Dortmund, he's kind of been proper proper praised him as the, you know, the quality striker that we all know he is. Do you see it as kind of the clear-cut thing that it's going to happen this summer, that they're going to go for it? Or again, do you think maybe they won't do? Well... I'm a lot more trusting type than than cynical Bykovsky. <laughs> but uh, I, I must admit, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, obviously, his, his comments last on Friday looked to me to be setting the setting the stall out, just saying, well, yeah, you know, of course we're interested, but we're not going to pay the kind of money that that's that you're asking. He's sort of putting that out there, and and City City have established themselves as a club that will do that, that that will say this is how we this is our limit and we will not pay above that. They've been doing it for, for in recent years. If, you know, the, the, the club record is 64 million for Ruben Diaz. They haven't gone above that. Other clubs have done. And my initial reaction to today's comments were Pep just saying, yeah, I agree that, the, you know, the club the club is right not, not to sort of spend big money on one player because one player doesn't make that much of a difference. You know, I'd rather have I'd rather buy three thirty million pound players and develop them than one one hundred million pound striker. But having said that, I mean that was my initial reaction, and then when I listened back to it, I'm coming around more to Simon's point of view um, that you know he was he was saying, well, if if we need to, you know, he's, he's sort of wedging the door open a little bit and saying, yeah, we if if because he I think he said something like if. If we can get a, if you, if, a, if the club can get a player that's going to make a difference over five to ten years, well, maybe they will spend up to hundred million pound, you know. And obviously, Haaland, from everything we've seen and heard about him, is that kind of player. So why say that if if you know they've got no intention of of, of going for somebody like that? And also the fact that the fact that 
they are letting Aguero go. I don't think they, you know, why why not keep why not take a chance of Aguero for another season if they've not got somebody somebody lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think I think they will go for Haaland, but I do think that they will put a ceiling on it, and I I, I don't think they will go beyond that ceiling. I think they will mm-hmm. they will stick to stick to the guns because they've worked so hard on getting that reputation of we're a club that that you know in the early days. They were throwing money at it because they had to, because money was the only thing they could attract the big play. They could attract Tevez by giving him far more money than anyone else could give him. They've got so much more going for them now, and they can say, "Look, you know, if you want to come and play for City, great, but this is a, this is a, the ceiling of what we're paying. This is the ceiling of what we're going to pay you in wages, um, and take it or leave it." And everyone knows if City don't sign Haaland, they'll still be favourites to win the league next year. Mm-hmm. So you know they're not desperate for him, not desperate in the way United might be or Liverpool to a less far lesser extent. He did name check a few young players um, ahead in that press conference, saying the likes of Liam Delap, um, James McAtee, and Cole Palmer, and I think uh, Felix Nemetcher as well. All got mentions of players who could fill in the gap, and um, you know of that Aguero's going to leave behind. I was actually um, at the Youth Cup game on Saturday where City shockingly were eliminated in you know. They were the holders, eliminated in the fourth round um, by Everton to a 97th minute winner side. And Delap and McAtee both played in that. It's only the second game Delap's actually played for the under 18 since he's been at City. He's always been with the under 23s. The first being the opening round win against Birmingham, in which he scored twice. But you know, it, it was a significant step up in competition um, from that Everton game, from that Birmingham game to the Everton game. And Delap, they clearly knew who Delap was. They clearly knew his talent. He was smothered by three defenders every time he got the ball. And he didn't have that much of effect. So he got the odd chance and he, he missed one that he really should have scored after sending a defender flying with a dummy. Like, we know that Pep doesn't like to throw, you know, with Foden, he's been so patient, even though his talent's obviously there. It's clear he's not going to just throw the lap in and start him forever. So, again, but do you think these young players, are we going to see more of them next season? Or, again, is it just another kind of distraction to show, or, you know, to show to Dortmund that we're not that desperate to show to Riola? We can walk away from any Haaland potential deal if, as I said, if you don't kind of meet us halfway in a certain price. I, I don't think Dortmund are going to be scared off by we will play Liam Delap if you don't give us Erling Haaland for free. Um, it you know just as Stu was talking about, like you know it's not they're not going to replace Aguero with Danny Ings for instance. It, it, it's just they're letting Aguero go because they have this this big marquee signing coming in um, and that is is not Liam Delap. I mean, you tell me. I'm quite interested to say more about the Youth Cup game, to be honest, because mm-hmm. one thing that's always struck me about Delap is um, his ability to kind of sort of adapt really quickly to any, like, mm-hmm. like the Czech State Trophy or under-23s or scored in his mm-hmm. first team debut. So it, it was a strong under-18s team on Saturday mm-hmm. that, that went out. Yeah, yeah, it was an unchanged one from the Birmingham game. I believe Birmingham's under eighteens are in like a division below as cities. And obviously the Lap, McAtee, I believe Lavia, um, Egan, Riley, um, a lot of these players have come down from the under twenty threes to play. And against Everton, as I say, the Everton were just happy, you know, most of the time at youth football you see the teams don't care about the result as much. They're more much more about playing football. Whereas in this instance, Everton just went to get the win and which fair play to them. They literally just played to the strengths, which was sitting deep. Um, for a strong bank of four, two deep centre midfielders to try and sit deep and then hit them on the counter. A couple of times they nearly caught them out. 
and then they finally did it in literally the last minute of the game when uh, a header was knocked down and then I think it was a Butterfield who'd actually come on to replace a fella who'd unfortunately broke his ankle um, a bit earlier. Rifled it in the bottom corner with a minute to go. And I say, City, in the first half, they just didn't, they hardly created any chances because as I was saying, McAtee and um, Delap, they were both just smothered. To um, Every time they got the ball, they, um, they was, had about three or four defenders instantly on them. I say, Delap, I was what I was kind of paying attention for, we've, Seen with Delap in a few games, his temper's often got away with him. He's had a couple of red cards in the under-23 matches. And, you know, would his temperament kind of maybe be something that hinders his kind of pathway into the first team? But I thought, I was actually quite impressed with how much he didn't bite. He was getting pulled and shoved and slide tackled all over the place. But not once did he kind of moan or lash out or anything. And a couple, there was one specific example in the last five minutes or so when a defender grabbed his shirt in the box and he tried to out-muscle him, powered past, and must have gone from the edge of the box to the six-yard box, getting dragged, and then eventually the chance was missed. And it should have been a penalty. He was getting dragged because he didn't go down. He obviously didn't get it. But he didn't lash out once at all. And I think that's kind of shown he's growing in his temperament. But as I say, he he struggled when he was just completely smothered and a, a defence you know, at under-18 levels, obviously not going to be anywhere near the level of defence he's going to face in more Premier League or even the God Carabao Cup games he'll probably get next season. And it's, it's you know, Guardiola's not, he didn't rely on Foden, even though it was absolutely clear he could have done because he's that good and he still doesn't. Foden still isn't a guaranteed start name on that team sheet. So if, when he's name-checking the likes of um, Delap and then even those who are also highly rated but probably not as much so when the likes of Nemecha and McAtee and um, Palmer. I think it's just clear that, you know, it's not, the lap's not going to be a regular next year. And it's it's pretty obvious that a striker is still going to be on the agenda, no matter what he says, I'd have thought. Anyway, speaking of Haaland, we're going to see him at the Etienne on Tuesday, Si. Dortmund in the Champions League quarterfinal. Is the is the voodoo quarterfinal finally going to be vanquished? Dortmund are not in great shakes at the minute. Lost at the weekend to Eintracht Frankfurt, which has put them seven points behind in the race to qualify for next year's edition of the tournament. And they've only won one in the last five games. Surely this is the time when City finally kind of uh, get the monkey off the back in terms of quarterfinals in the Champions League under Guardiola. I, I mean, if, if you're not going to do it this time, you're never going to do it. They, they've rarely been in as good form or looked as strong as, as they do this season. And Dortmund aren't in great form. I, I think it would be on a par with with Leon and Monaco if they went out to, to Dortmund in terms of sort of disappointing European exits under Guardiola. Dortmund, very good. Uh, or they've got a team with lots of good players. Obviously, Haaland also um, quite a few others. But over two legs, um, if City can't beat them, then uh, yeah, it'd be really, really poor result. There won't be any Jadon Sancho, though, for Dortmund, uh, Stu. Another kind of reason why you'd think City would get a win here. Um, we, are you a bit disappointed we won't see him coming back against his old club and seeing, you know, kind of showing what he, what the club missed out or what they've missed out on on him leaving them so soon? Yeah, I'm always disappointed when players like that aren't playing because he's he's an exciting talent. You know, I was looking forward to seeing him play for City. I've, I've been sort of kept in touch when he was in the the youth ranks at City. You know, I always used to try and watch as many youth games and EDS games. Uh, as I could and he was one who, who always made you sit up and take notice so I was looking forward and I was a bit disappointed that in the end he decided to leave City and you kind of track him since because he, he's well worth watching he's you know he's one of those players who who, you, who makes you move forward on, onto the edge of your seat so yeah it's, you know I'd rather he was playing than, than not playing to be honest with you um, but in terms of the tie itself 
Uh, it's funny that Sice says, if, if not this year, you know, when will will he ever win it? But we were saying that last last season against Leon, that was a golden opportunity. I mean, the only good thing about that was Bayern were absolutely awesome at that point, and you kind of thought if City got through and played Bayern, you know, they were they were facing a team that was in was in incredible form. I mean, that's the same, of course, this season. If they get through this one, they've got PSG or Bayern in the semi-final. But it's, uh, you know, Leon, Leon finished seventh last season in the French League, which isn't a, the strongest league in Europe by by a long chalk. And I think, I think I, don't, I wouldn't say City were guilty of complacency um, because they knew it was a quarter-final of the Champions League and you should never be complacent. But, you know, the, the fact that they underperformed, I think Guardiola got his team selection wrong, his setup wrong. Uh, who am I to say that? But that's just mm. my opinion, kind of thing. And I, I don't think that will happen. I think this time he will put a team out playing the way that City have played this season. That, that, that's brought them success. I don't think we'll see three. You know, I don't think we'll see a conventional three at the back. We might well see Cancelo playing that that left back inverted left back role that he's, mm. he's has been such a success. Um, and I, I think the you know over. I, I think if if Leon that three one defeat had been the first leg, I still think City would have gone through. I think they'd have put it right in the second leg. Mm-hmm. So that that fed into it as well. So even if they don't, you know, even if they draw against Dortmund or even a, a narrow defeat at home, I think they could put it right in the second leg. They're more than mm-hmm. capable of doing so. Um, one thing that that concerns me about City is going behind. If they do go behind, you mm-hmm. know, they still still not convinced me that. That they're right mentally to react to that. They're so so good at getting teams un, under the under the cosh and keeping them there. What happens when they're up against it? You know, when they've got to come back, and that will happen at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the competitions that you know in in the Carabao Cup final, in the FA Cup semi against Chelsea, in the Champions League, they're going to go behind at some point, and that's when the that's when the real character of the team will be mm-hmm. will be tested, and that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think you're right, but I think what thing might actually play into their hands in that regard, if they do, you know, if Haaland has another brainstorming start and smashes one in the first minute, I think with Dortmund, they're not a team who are going to put eight men behind the ball and just sit deep for 90 minutes. They're going to continue playing regardless of the score you'd have fought, and I imagine City will have a bit more joy kind of getting at them, whereas, you know, a Leon who you'd never would expect to have been in that position, were a bit more willing to kind of just whack everyone behind the ball and hold on for dear life, you know. I think of the two poorest teams in the quarterfinal draw, and I know City have already beaten Porto handily this year, but you'd imagine Porto, after what they did with Juventus, would have been a tougher draw for City than this Dortmund side because you know that City are going to be able to get at Dortmund because they just play a similar kind of open style. Whereas Porto, you know, I can't say the word, buoyed by their kind of performance <laughs> against Juventus, you know, when it was really backs against the wall, kind of Trojan defending, that sort of thing. If they had have gone ahead against City this time, maybe they could have been, a, City might have had a few more troubles. But Si, as, we, as Stu alluded to then, Pep has a tendency to kind of really overthink these games and pull out a mad formation no one would see coming. Do you, as Stu, do you think this is the point where he just goes with what he knows now? You know, City are on a roll, they're in an amazing form, only one defeat and it must be going on to 30 games now. Surely he just sticks with what City are doing really well. His players, his main stars are fresh um, from the international break after being rested. Is this the time when he just goes, you know, 4 3 3, this is what we're good at, don't change anything for our position this time, just play our game? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, you know, Stu nailed it earlier pretty much with the the Leicester team was set up to, with the players that had stayed behind in the, the international break and others left on the bench to sort of rest up ahead of 
this game really you know that you you sort of the worry is with Guardiola is that he he often occasionally throws in a sort of selection wild card but Saturday's probably counts as that with playing Jesus and Aguero and Mendy and people like that so I, I think you'd expect to see close to what most people would think is their strongest 11 and and yeah just you know the the players that have mostly got City to uh to where they are this season. Finally, Simon, what's your prediction for the match score-wise? I think City will win by two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stu, what do you reckon? I think it'll, I think it'll be close in the first leg. I think maybe a two-one, leaving it open for a bit of jeopardy for the second leg. But then they'll go over to Germany and uh, finish the job in style. I'm I'm fairly confident City will do them here. I think I think they're in the best form they've been in going to a quarter-final in some time. They're doing good. No team can get near them. I I think they'll do them like three-nil to be honest. With you. I'm expecting a quite strong display to finally banish those quarterfinal ghosts. But, dear listener, if you want to find out exactly how they've done, well, you go over to Manchester Evening News, forward slash Manchester City. Keep on top of all City news with us. Go on Facebook, um, Manchester City MEN, Twitter at Man City MEN. You can get us all there as well, get all our work and get keep up to date with all your City stuff. Thank you for listening. Go and like, subscribe, share, and we'll see you maybe next week, maybe even before, after the Dortmund game. Who knows? I'm sure we'll let you know when we do. Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll see you later.